Beer with Buffy is a retro analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Jeez. Like vampires. Take a stand and take a night. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beer with Buffy. I am Josh. I'm Rex. And today we are reviewing Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 7, The Initiative. I've got some initiative to put beer inside of me, Rex. I need it inside of me <laughs> because that's where I uh, digest the alcohol that intoxicates me. Rex, we still have a t-shirt drawing going yes, on. Yes, we have a t-shirt contest. All you need to do is compose a, an original tweet with the hashtag BWB shirt. And at Beer with Buffy. Make sure to include it with your very creative and personalized glowing review of Beer with Buffy. That's me. I mean... And Rex. Honest review, but glowing, please, yeah. if you love us. You know, preferably glowing. Also, I feel like we should stop calling it a contest, because it's it's really more of a drawing. Well, okay, yeah. It's literally a raffle drawing prize thing. That's still kind of a contest. Yeah, it's kind of a contest. You know, I just feel like it conjures images of wet t-shirt contests, <laughs> which that's not what we're going for at all. Just making that clear... Oh, sorry. I was thinking about wet t-shirt contests. Yeah, I know you were, Rex. <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of year again. Time for mindless zombie consumerism. And now that you've absolutely stuffed yourself to the fucking gills, why don't you head on out there and get all the best deals, trample some strangers, destroy some private and or public property, make a toddler cry, kick an old lady in the chest, and scream at a millennial minimum wage retail worker for being too entitled while demanding that they search the back room for some shit they don't care about while they try to do their miserable job because that's right, you guessed it, it's the holidays in America! Yes, that <laughs> magical time of year. We all don't do any of the stupid things that we romanticize in countless Tim Allen movies like appreciating our family and friends so go on and just barely tolerate them and then drink yourself stupid until you don't have to think about it for another ten and a half months that's what I do anyway <laughs> I was unaware that there was going to be a speech yeah I got a little carried away this time it appears so <laughs> I have another issue that I'd like to tackle I mean it was uh, how do you feel about that, Rex? I solved my holiday problem very simply and easily. Go on. I told my family I'm not going to anything. Genius! <laughs> I There was an excellent tweet that I think you told me about. Quick, have a falling out with your family so that you can reconcile with them for presents, but it doesn't look like you're doing it for the presents. <laughs> because you've done it with enough time ahead. I'm really massacring it right now, yeah. but you get the uh, no, gist. I, re I remember it, <laughs> but not enough to actually be able to quote it better. Yeah. 
Fair enough. If anything, I'm remembering it just enough to quote it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. All right. There's one more issue that's tickling away at my brain here. Is, is that all this podcast is to you? Just ways to vent? That is an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked me that. And the answer is yes. <laughs> Every time. The, the, it's the facial expression you do. You literally... It's, it's, it's this specific expression you do when you do it that you don't make that expression any other time. Oh, it's, it's the same fucking concept of the fact that I crack up at your mom voice after knowing each other for eight fucking years. Well, it's all in the timing as well. You do. Your your timing, your pause is never exactly the same amount, and it's just the right amount to crack me up every time. <laughs> Why, thank you, Rex. So the issue number two that a lot of you are probably thinking about, speaking of mindless zombified consumerism, I'm trying to justify buying a VR headset now because of Half-Life Alex. Video game fans rejoice because there's a new Half-Life being thrown into the continuum into the series the franchise if you will and my inner child weeps both for the innocent <laughs> joyous fact that the long long wait for another half-life is finally over and also for the rage that we were abandoned by our beloved valve and left high and dry for 12 years and Damn, went 12 years 12 fucking years and when they finally do get around to releasing the next installment, it's not at all what was promised, and it's an obvious ploy to sell VR headsets and high-end custom computers, and not just an attempt to sell a game that people will enjoy because they've already wasted 12 years of their lives hoping in vain for some kind of resolution on this plot that they never resolved. Now, I'm not a Half-Life fan, but... I can kind of understand how you're feeling, mostly because I'm a, a Firefly fan. Yeah, but at least you knew that it had been canceled. Yeah, that's fair. The only thing that sounds remotely similar is when you're waiting for your favorite author to make his tweet the end or something. No, uh, the current one for that is the third book by Patrick Rothfuss. His second book came out in 2011. Yeah. His first book came out in 2008, second in 2011, and we still haven't fucking gotten the third. And didn't you just get a tweet of a couple months ago? Yeah, that was Jim Butcher. Oh, that was a different Second one. favorite author. Oh, okay. And that still hasn't been given a fucking release date. And I know why it hasn't been given a fucking release date, because James Marster's availability <laughs> hasn't cleared enough to do the fucking audiobooks. Oh. And they I guarantee they are refusing to release the book till they have the audiobook done because they want to release the audiobook and the book on the same day. But you're going on eight years now. Not for that. Oh. No, that was three years. Wow, nothing confusing about this. But there is one that you've been waiting eight years for. Yes. The third something. Not nine years now. Yeah. The third book of the King Killer Chronicles. Yeah. It sucks, doesn't it? There is a reason I tend to focus on reading books that are a complete series already. 
It's one of the worst things about doing this podcast is it's actually very difficult to force myself to just watch a episode. I know. I really just want to sit and watch a whole episode all the way through without taking notes, but then I'd have to watch it twice. Yeah. Yeah. As the last few weeks have proven, we're both lacking in free time these days. A little bit. The hell is up with this? I don't know. We got lives all of a sudden. No, that's not true at all. <laughs> Then how are we so busy? I, work is not a life. It's it's a living. <laughs> There's a difference. It's a black hole of despair. Much like the black hole of despair that Willow spends in this episode. <clears throat> the pit of despair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, time for a mom synopsis. Did, did you just say, speaking of pits of despair, time for a mom synopsis? Yes. Joshua. <laughs> What are you doing, Joshua? Well, you know how I've always been a huge fan of double entendres, right? <laughs> oh, sweet, merciful Jesus, wash your mouth out right now, Joshua. Mom, that's that's not dirty. Don't make me double your entendre, Joshua. But that is... And that's a double entendre. You and your big fancy college words, Joshua. Nobody knows what you're talking about because it's nonsense. Now, what's going on with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Why is Xander fighting that poor woman? Is he a mugger now? He's not mugging her. That's Harmony. <laughs> She's a, a vampire. He's trying to kill her before she kills him. But they're both just so incompetent that they can't. What about Spike and Willow? Are they a couple now? Didn't Oz just leave? No, that's where the double entendre reference was. Oh my god. So, this is the episode where Riley decides to get off his fat ass and start trying to date Buffy. And he's not doing a very good job of it. Uh, but Willow is still caught in her depths of despair because Oz just left us. Was that just last episode? It was. Man, it feels so long ago already. Right. Actually, no, it just feels like two weeks ago instead of one week. But anyway, so Buffy tells Giles and Xander to go fuck themselves. She's taking Willow to a party because she needs some damn fun. And something to lift her spirits. Yep. Uh, poor Spikety Spike is trapped in a cell. If you recall, he got zapped at the beginning of last episode. <laughs> Grr! Arg! <laughs> and he, uh, he escaped right quick and runs back to Harmony who then goes and runs off to the woods and burns his clothes because she's so mad at how big of a dick he is where she runs into Xander and Xander's like oh no Spike's in town and he runs off and tells Buffy and Buffy's like oh no I have to go hunt Spike and then Riley gets called into duty which is where we find out that Riley's part of this weird underground laboratory military thing and you know it's it's what all those dudes in masks and guns have been running around about collecting vampires and shit so they still don't know about each other but they run into each other and spike survives but he's having some vampire dysfunction he breaks into willow and buffy's dorm room and tries to bite willow can't do it the scene's brilliant but then the the initiative jumps in and Makes everything a big old clusterfuck. Buffy kind of sort of saves the day, but Spike gets away, and um, that's that's pretty much it. Woo. That episode's more complicated than I thought. 
That's a lot of little scenes. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 as the sun goes down, 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 competition is a beautiful thing. So, cold open on the cafeteria. Yeah, that. Where Riley and Forrest are hanging out. Forrest is a new character. Forrest. Yes. Oh, yeah, Forrest. Ha <laughs> ha. Have you ever actually met someone named Forrest? That is an excellent question. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked me that, Rex. And the answer is... No. <laughs> no, I haven't. But Forrest is uh, going on and on about hot women, specifically how hot Buffy is. Oh my god, this whole fucking scene. <laughs> Buffy's just fumbling around, and she's just too strong for her own good, and she's breaking all of the vending machines in the cafeteria. I love the little snippets of, like, watching Buffy fail to person <laughs> from a distance. Yeah. That's easily the best part of this scene, because the dialogue in this scene is shit. Yeah. It's, he's all like, nubile, nubile, nubile. And I'm like, what? Stop using the word nubile. It's just making me think of that goddamn puppet. Mmm, yeah. so nubile. And I'm like, nope, nothing creepy about that. He's very much... Parkering it up. A little bit. <laughs> and so he's like, what? You don't want to bang the buffinator? Blah. And Riley's sitting there trying to grade some papers and he's like, I'm so studious. She's just not really there, you know? Like when I try to talk to her, I'm only into personalities, obviously, because I'm such a good guy. I'm like, okay. He keeps describing her as peculiar. Yeah. But yeah, then this other, this third dude shows up, Graham. He thinks she's peculiar because maybe she's Canadian. <laughs> An excellent suggestion. Basically, the end of the scene is for saying, what, you don't want to hit that? And Riley's like, no, not really. Yeah. And No, he's like, I totally want to hit that. <laughs> but like, I mean... Seriously, do you really feel a deep, meaningful connection with her? I don't think so. <laughs> and then we cut to some sort of cell that really just makes me think of Aperture Science. It does a bit. Yeah, it's very white. The initiative's layer, as I call it. Now, I have an important question, though. I have an important answer. When it's a vampire's nest, we call it a lair. Yes. When it's a sci-fi government super secret agency with lots of expensive equipment and shit, it's a bunker. What's yeah. the difference? Um, I'm, I mean, I know what my answer is. I just want to hear what your answer is. Funding? Money. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. We're oppressing the vampire masses. <laughs> They've had hundreds of years to get their finances in order. <laughs> they have, to be fair. If... If they don't have money for a proper bunker, that's their <laughs> fault. Shit, you're not wrong. The vampires should be running the fucking government at this yeah, point. they probably are. Huh. I mean, honestly. Yeah, this is probably like an 18th meta layer of cover for them. Right. Well, we have to start this division that hunts us to make it look like the government's not being run by us. Yeah. Yeah. Spike wakes up in the cell, and there's this really cool, interesting lighting thing that happens. with Because mm -hmm. the, they, they show him, he's laying on the floor, and they show him from above. And the lighting in this place is 
bright fluorescent, multiple lights from different directions and everything. So there's very little deep shadow. And the effect of this is it makes him look like he's hovering above the floor. Okay, I didn't catch that. The amount of light you have to put in a scene to get this effect is a lot. Yeah. But on top of that, there's the makeup they put on James Marsters is pretty fucking good because he looks super pale and dead-like. Really parched. Yes. He looks really thirsty. Yeah, and he they're starving him, so it fucking fits. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. But all the times that we see him, with the exception of the one scene when he got the ring that let him go outside, is at night in dim light. They don't fail to make the vampire super fucking pale. Dead looking. I, I just appreciated that. It's yeah. a small attention to detail that I liked. But the door is electrified, which hurts Spike. Bad door, hurdy Spike. Suffice to say, he's stuck. He's... Opening sequence. Did you notice something about the opening sequence? James Marsters is in the opening sequence. Yes, I and did. Oz is that. removed. He <laughs> takes Oz's place. Oh, that's sad and happy all at the same time. Right. And now we're at Giles's house. Giles and Xander are talking about the soldiers and how much they can't help at all. Yeah, it looks like Xander has joined Giles on team board as fuck. Can you blame him? No, not at all. But uh, also Xander's starting to get the right idea that if you want to feel useful, you need to fabricate mayhem to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's just divulging the inciting incident that causes once more with feelings. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. Hey, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you just need to fabricate mayhem to cure the boredom. And that's just so flippantly irresponsible. I just can't be mad about it. <laughs> You go, Xander. More power to you. I mean, less less power to the people around you because of that. <laughs> but it's still fun. So, uh... Giles is a pretty damn good artist. Because he drew the soldier from a description that Buffy gave. And it's pretty fucking accurate. Oh, yeah. Well, mask and fatigues. Gun. Yep, that shit's not that easy. You still have to have proper human proportions under it. Sure. Like, obviously, he didn't really draw it. It was a, you know, they hired someone it to draw it. It was definitely but... a costumer style and quality drawing of a person wearing a very specific set of things and holding props. And, yeah, fairly decent artist. So then Buffy arrives and uh, really puts these two in their place. Yeah, she's really learned how to say, no, fuck off. I'm going to go take care of myself and my friends. Uh, and she inadvertently gives Giles and Xander something to do, thank God. And she's, uh, she's really owning the word slutty. Right? I feel like this isn't the first time she's done that, and I find it cringy. A little bit. Is it the kind of word that women are trying to reappropriate to make it their own and therefore inoffensive, but only if women use it? You know, like, um, like the N-word. I mean, there, there's the movement of... And the F-word. There's the movement of the ethical slut. Interesting. I think there's a book called The Ethical Slut. Huh. It's about owning your sexuality. How being a sexual person is okay and not wrong and not dirty. But yeah, she, she says that she's got to go to a party, and in order to go to the party, she has to go get a slutty dress. Yeah. But she does not wear a dress to the party. Which is perfectly ethical. Nothing wrong with that. No. 
So she changed her mind and she picked the halter top. Yep. It's fine. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you has a wind. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Cold water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. Back to Spikey Spike's cage. Yep, where Spike paces the cell until blood gets dropped from the ceiling. Special delivery! And he's just about to drink the blood, but his neighbor warns him that it is no. drugged. Don't do it! <laughs> I was thinking that this guy was a plant. It's like he's, oh, right. he's just there to instill insecurity in Spike, like the blood was fine, and it's just a mind game. You know... That would have been an, a slightly better plot. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been fun in its own right, but that's not where they went with it. And uh, so he conveniently gives Spike pretty much the whole skinny on the place that they're stuck in. Uh, Except he's mistaken. He inadvertently leads Spike to believe that it was the Slayer that got him put here. Yeah. Well, he didn't say anything definitive. Spike took a couple of logical leaps to get to that conclusion because he just said one thing. All I knew was that I was chasing the Slayer, and next thing, bam, I'm I'm waking up in here, and they're starving me, and they're killing everybody, and blah. And then Spike, Spike goes off on a tirade. He's like, she set me up, too. I always wondered what would happen when that bitch got some funding. She's wised up a bit. Fine. I'll take her apart. I don't care how brilliant she is. Cut to <laughs> Walsh's class. Where she is... Cursing her stupid pen. She's pulling an Ernest P. Worrell here. <laughs> right. She might as well be sucking on a broken pen, <laughs> chewing on a napkin to soak it up. <laughs> do you remember that scene? I do remember that scene. <laughs> oh, man. Are you uh, Are you okay, sir? I'm just fine. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And knowing him, he he legit that was just him doing it. Yeah. So just mouth filled with ink. Oh, oh yeah. No, there was <laughs> no Have you ever <laughs> I've tasted ink a, a, a number of times in my life. It's not pleasant. Yeah, but Jim Farney was <sighs> a god among men. Yes. That man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's got ink on her hands and then she accidentally rubs it on her notes. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to end up giving this scene a whole lot of shit because they did that thing where they said something and then they cut to the opposite of that they, thing they happening. They do that a couple of times in this episode and like every time they do it, I can't help but notice it, but it's happening so often I can't fucking keep mentioning it. I mean, I don't feel like they do it that often. I was just sure that you were going to go they on They do a it once or twice an episode, dude. Once or twice. Hmm. If this was a video, I would fucking put a counter in the corner. <laughs> I mean, you can still do that. I kind of wish we'd been doing that. Oh, well. But Willow goes up to Riley and asks about roll call because she is rather upset that he left Oz off roll call and Oz is going to be back. Willow says that Oz is going to be back. So obviously Oz is going to be back. He's only gone for a very short amount of time. How dare you say that Oz isn't going to be back? Oh, Willow. Denial ain't just a river. But seriously, how dare you? How dare you, Josh? How dare you say Oz isn't going to be back? Uh, shame on you. I accept that shame. Good. And Take responsibility for your actions. I will see your shame. 
And that will raise you a passive-aggressive note on the refrigerator. I hate those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But Professor Walsh immediately drops the hammer on Oz returning to class. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, you can't just skip out on my class and then come back. There are rules. Rules, damn it. Get off my lawn. I mean, she kind of makes a good point. Well, yeah. She calls Willow out on thinking that her exception is exceptional. I enjoyed the wording on that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, okay, she really stepped over the line with the narcissist comment. Other than that, no, it's really not her job to coddle her students. No, definitely. And does she even know or understand the situation with Willow and Oz? Probably not even in the fucking foggiest. And the simple truth is, if he dropped out of college, he can't go back to class. Even if he is coming back, why would you think that he could get back into his classes or that he would have any way to pass them? But, I mean, really, it's just Willow being hopeful and in denial. Yeah. And, you know, in pain. You know, black pit of despair. But Buffy has some amazing retorts. Oh, she does. She says to Walsh, you know, for someone who teaches human behavior, you might try showing some. And I was like, oh, damn. (laughs) And the Kool-Aid man breaks through the wall and he's like, oh, yeah. And everybody looks at him awkwardly and he's like, sorry, excuse me. (laughs) Starts to put the pieces back and they're like, just leave it. Because he keeps knocking shit down as he's putting some back in. Yeah, we'll we'll take care of it. It's fine. If you think about it, he probably has to waddle. Because his <laughs> legs are pretty wa- far apart. Yes. Clean up aisle you. <laughs> but Buffy leaves and Professor Walsh is like, I like her. Uh-huh. And I love Riley's responses. He goes, really? You don't think she's a little... Peculiar? (laughs) (laughs) She really is a funny girl that... God, we're going to get sued. No. (laughs) That counts as a cover. We're fine. Yeah, that's how that works. No, I think the one thing that will save us there is... uh, Here, I'm going to redo it. She really is a funny girl that Buffy... There you go. Yeah, that's better, right? I'll yeah. just beep out the bell. Or I'll play a bell. <laughs> Sound effect over bell. I, I think that's funnier. So Buffy's last line, you're right. A human being in pain has nothing to do with your job. This line is amazing because she manages to ram a point down her throat and break it off just by saying something that's completely undeniably true. And not even spinnable as disrespectful. It just geniusly leaves this gaping implication that Walsh is unnecessarily cold and condescending. I think that's why Walsh likes her. Yeah. She's like, ooh, checkmate. Wow. (laughs) And she likes to be dominated because not many people are capable of that. Right? Yeah. They say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? So then we go to Xander's... uh, Xander's mom's basement. Yep, and Xander's pulling out all his military gear. Apparently he went back a couple of times and fucking did some collection work on some equipment. Which, that's good thinking ahead. Yeah. If you can steal... 
lots of expensive equipment and get away with it relatively legally, fucking do it. Yeah. Giles questions his efficacy in recalling the military training. (laughs) Xander's pretty confident in his ability. A little false confidence in his ability, but... Yeah, a little false. Like, he's got a false... I suck at this, too. All right. <laughs> My favorite bit of this entire scene is this, the quote of his mother. I'm having double entendre dysfunction, which is, in and of itself, a double entendre. <laughs> Did someone also put a chip in your head? No. Should someone put a chip in your head? I would not like that. No, sir. <laughs> Thank you for asking. If you think Josh should have a chip in his head, give us a call. That's one eight 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 Edgar. Is that enough numbers? It's not enough numbers. No, it's not. That's not enough numbers to call next door with a tin can. <laughs> Go ahead and try it though. So Xander's been fiddling around with this gun, flare gun, flare gun, and Giles just grabs it out of his hands and pops it open with the greatest of casualties, and then loads it and hands it back to Xander, and Xander's kind of waving it about in a not smart way yeah and giles is not even in the least bit scared that he's about to get shot with a flare no xander owns up to the fact that he's not quite as good with the army shit as he used to be he's like i might as well face it right now i don't have the technical skills to join the swiss army and all those guys ask you to do is uncork a couple of sassy cabernets yep giles responds well i'm sure you'll be ready when the time comes Oh, fear not. Hand to hand, I'm still the man. Whoever these guys <laughs> trained with, I'm sure they're not ready to deal with. Oh, Xander! <laughs> Was it not the perfect look on his face as he said, Yes, Mom! <laughs> it really was. <laughs> well, she's got some fruit punch for him and his friend. I love that she calls Giles his friend. Right. And then he's like, and then she says, would you boys like some? Yeah. Would you boys? Yeah. It's like, like she doesn't know that this friend is his former school librarian. And specifically, a middle-aged man. Middle-aged British man. <laughs> nothing weird about that. No, nothing at all. Probably the same damn age as Xander's mom. <laughs> right? Well, he already slept with Buffy's mom. He's just working his way around. <laughs> But this piques Giles' interest. <laughs> it really does. And uh, he said, is it a uh, raspberry fruit punch? You can't have raspberry fruit punch, Giles. Why not? It's fruit punch. Fruit punch is fruit punch. Like, you can't. Yeah. That's... Otherwise, it would be raspberry punch. Yeah. Yeah. Fruit punch is mixed fucking fruit punch. Oh, Yeah. I like to imagine that is just you can hear it faintly <laughs> happening next door. Like two doors down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> is it raspberry? <laughs> oh, God. Cut to campus. Where Riley is relaying to Forrest, Buffy, and Professor Walsh's interaction. Yeah, he's telling them about how she told off Walsh right in front of him. And they're all like, oh, hell no, bro. And then Parker swings by. And uh, they're asking him about Buffy because it's known that they did a thing. 
Oh, fuck you, Parker. Yeah, this this is a particularly impressive scene yeah. for Parker, and probably the last time, hopefully, that we'll ever see Parker. I fucking hope so. They're asking him why things didn't work out with him and Buffy. And he says, well, you know the difference between a freshman girl and a toilet seat? A toilet seat doesn't follow you around after you use it. But Riley has an excellent, thought-out, intellectual response. And he also hits a home run (laughs) all at the same time. Yeah. On Parker's face. My fist to your face style. Riley is much bigger than Parker. (laughs) And I can only imagine that that really fucked Parker up. Oh, he broke his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's a trained soldier. Uh Uh-huh. But cut to the next scene. He really should be suing for assault. Cut to the next scene. Parker isn't suing for assault because he's too embarrassed by being punched. But. As he should be. uh, Forrest and Graham are talking to Riley and Riley can't understand why in the world he punched Parker. He was saying such crude things, and Forrest is like, I say crude, inappropriate shit all the fucking time. I'm a regular Josh over here. You don't understand the difference? (laughs) Deer in headlights for a moment, and he's like, I I think I just didn't like him saying that sort of thing about Buffy. Oh my god, I like Buffy. Yeah, (laughs) this is his light bulb moment that he has... A crush on Buffy, and not just that he respects women. I think he probably would have reacted, not like punch Parker out, but I think he probably would have reacted on some level for the defense of women. I agree. But definitely, he likes Buffy. I like the kind of twist here that Forrest, his response is, well, duh, you like her. Why do you think I've been talking about her this whole fucking time? Trying to get you to realize that We obviously see that you like her, dumbass. Yeah, that was an interesting twist. But it was like, really, we're supposed to buy that these dude bro-y dickbags that are Riley's harem, that they were using their crudeness in talking about women because they knew that it would help him discover his feelings. Because these guys are just truly the emotional intelligentsia. It's a fun idea. But I'm not buying it. I can see it working on a short, shorter term, like a conversation. Sure. Like if we were sitting in a, at a coffee shop and I saw someone I knew that you liked, but you didn't realize you liked them or something, I could see me going like, hey, look at her, man. She's really hot. And trying to like push your buttons a couple of times to get you thinking or talking about her or something like that. See, I just can't imagine recognizing that somebody else likes somebody else thinking that they don't realize that they like somebody else. That's several steps outside of my own fucking business. Well, (laughs) maybe it's because you've never been in a position where you liked somebody but didn't realize that you liked them. Sure. Because I've been there. I wasn't really allowing myself to see that I was into them. Okay. I don't know. I'll accept so, that. Sometimes people are fucking dense. Yeah, I get that. I guess I've always been uh, of the mind that if you can't be honest with yourself, then what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's true. Um, it's definitely not a problem I would have now. But in my early 20s, late teens, right, college age where these guys are, 
Yeah, I could totally see that. So Riley fucks off and he's like, I have to go scream it from the rooftops or at least, you know, say it at a nice indoor speaking voice to Buffy's face. Yes. That he likes her. (laughs) (laughs) And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better. You should know better than attempt the fate of the face of the world. And we cut to a cage again. Back to Aperture Science. We do what we must. Because we can. Because some science is happening. And apparently Spike drank the Kool-Aid. Or blood, I mean. Yeah, blood. That's what it is. Because he's unconscious. Oh, yeah. But it's a ruse. Yes. Fuckers. Where the fuck did the blood go, though? Like, there's no sink or drain. There might have been a drain. I didn't see, The floor was smooth. Maybe he poured it out into his pocket because <laughs> he knew that that would be a thing that they would notice. I mean, think about it. If you needed to fake it so that you could escape, you wouldn't care if you were wet for a little while. I just can't see pouring... A pint of blood into your pocket. It would still be sticky and gross. Yeah, but... That's not an insignificant amount of blood. No. (laughs) It's no worse than having to cover yourself in zombie guts to get through a horde. (laughs) I'm just thinking of him running and you hear squishing in his pocket. Slosh, 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 slosh. (laughs) Well, I mean, it would, like, goose out. That that would ruin that leather coat. (laughs) The lining, anyway. You can get it relined. Well, I mean, it would... Like, he lays down on the ground. It would just flow right all over him. You're worried about the coat. Jesus Christ. I know how to care for leather. It's important <laughs> to me. So he crushes this guy's trachea as he's putting him on a gurney. And then Spikety Spikes Spikety Spikes his way out of the initiative. He fights these guys. And then the one fucking orderly, I guess, or whatever... Some fucking dude in white clothes. Like, grabs a hold of him by the throat and pins him against the wall, and it's, like, just a dude. And Spike's a vampire. What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't get what was happening there, and they didn't really establish it well enough to really know. But then, just another moment later, Spike overpowers him and gets them to spin around and stab the other one in the neck with a, a big plunger full of some shit. I'm assuming is a tranquilizer. Yeah, yeah, the oh shit serum. I think they were calling it the serum. Get the serum! And then Spike lets the neighbor dude out of his cell because he knows how to get out. How the fuck does he know how to get out? He's been stuck in a cell. I assume he woke up in the cell just like Spike did. Right. I think he's fucking lying because he just wants Spike to let him out. Yeah, which makes it perfectly justifiable. Only moments later, when Spike throws him under the bus... Yes. And directly into a pile of soldiers coming out of the elevator. And he specifically says, new plan. We split up. You go that way. (laughs) (laughs) And then he rolls underneath yet another fire door as it's closing dramatically. Indiana Jones is way the fuck out of there. Unfortunately, he didn't have a hat to reach for under the thing. Missed opportunity. Very much so. What are you going to do? Then we cut back to... The dorm where the dorm. Willow is is being a sad Willow. 
Sad, sad willow. That's why they call it a weeping willow, Rex. Oh, God. That's <laughs> even... A, that's a bad pun even in my ears. <laughs> but Riley comes in and... Uh, <laughs> He enters with, gee, I hope I'm not interrupting anything really depressing. Right. (laughs) So he comes in and he accidentally, hard air quotes, says all the right things to make Willow trust him. Essentially, he's like, well, I just, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, that we like each other before I hit on her sexually. And Willow's like, well, okay, she likes cheese. Not saying it's the key to her heart. The first two interactions I like because he's like, I was thinking of asking Buffy out. And Willow's response is, she's not here. <laughs> Total deadpan. Yeah. She's not here. Go fucking elsewhere. How are to you ask going to do that? She's <laughs> not in the room. You're going to have to ask out her hat or her scarf or something. I don't know. But we have a quote of the day. Uh oh. It's a big one. Alrighty. Riley sits down. Willow says, Okay, say I help. And you start a conversation. It goes great. You like Buffy. She likes you. You spend time together. Feelings grow deeper. And one day, without ever realizing it, you find you're in love. Time stops. And it feels like the whole world is made for you two. And you two alone. Until the day one of you leaves and rips the still beating heart from the other. Who's now a broken hollow mockery of the human condition and riley responds with yep that's the plan yeah that's about right and he's just so that's love i'm okay with that that sounds about right (laughs) i mean it's possible he's a positive thinker not putting a ring on her finger yet shit just trying to find out if we like each other anyway the point is he's not a fuck boy and that's leagues and leagues ahead of parker oh yeah so and i do like um at one point Willow's like, why should I trust you? And he's like, well, I just kind of hoped you'd think I had an honest face. And uh, (laughs) a truism from Willow here says, I've seen honest faces before, and they usually come attached to liars. It's called a truism because it's true. Yes. Cut to Harmony's lair. Not Harmony's bunker, mind you, because Harmony doesn't have money. No. Um, They might as well call it Harmony's shantytown. But hey, it's a shantytown. With a little bit of class? I mean... There's a unicorn on the wall. I was going to say she's decorating it like a college dorm. Yeah. Or a a 13-year-old bedroom. (laughs) Whichever. (laughs) Fits for her in both directions. So Spike comes in and he lays it on thick. All abusive (laughs) boyfriend style. Oh, yeah. He's being super manipulative. Harmony's being super gullible. Oh, baby, I missed you. And we're, <laughs> we're going to do whatever you want forever and ever all the time, which, if you recall, a couple episodes ago is exactly we were watching the end of the relationship. And now we're getting to see how that started. <laughs> right. Because Spike needed something from her. Yup. And so I like that he runs out of the cutesy nicknames really fast, really fast. And in the funniest damn way, he comes in and she's like, you bastard, you dumped me and staked me and hurt me and left me. Spike responds, I know, sugar, but you're forgetting one other thing I did. I missed you. (laughs) And it's so cheesy, but such a good fucking line. Yeah. All at the same time. And she fucking takes it. She falls Hook, line, for it. And sinker. 
And you'll never leave me. Oh, never, my little foam latte. Your blondie bear is here to stay. As he starts looking like, for weapons. You know he fucking needs something when he calls himself Blondie Bear. Right. <laughs> Second name he calls her is Mon Petite Creme Brulee. <laughs> Last but not least, we're going to go uh, wherever you want to. Do whatever you want. Uh, kill whoever you want. Starting with the Slayer. And after that, it's all you and me, my little mentholated pack of smokes <laughs> <laughs> and then she tackles him with the sex yeah and we get a hint that something's up with his head yeah his head hurts she doesn't care buffy you made some bad choices you just might have to live with some consequences this isn't over if i have to i'll go all the way to the mayor Cut away to Xander and Giles in the woods and Xander's being annoying and Giles <laughs> tells him to shut up. And that is literally all there is to that yes. scene. Cut to the party that Buffy's taking Willow to. Yep. Buffy and Willow arrive at the party and they immediately separate as Willow's like, I'm going to go get me a soda. Soda. Which always is jarring to me because we call it pop here. And you call it pop here. You're eccentric, apparently, but 95% of all the fucking people around here call it pop. Don't give me that shit. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I don't no, remember right. anymore. I don't talk to people. You know that. <laughs> right. You scare them away with your highly inappropriate behavior. Well, you keep me chained up in the basement editing your podcast for six days a week, and then you make me record, and you feed me one pizza and beer. And beer. <laughs> and that makes it all okay. Yeah, it does. So Willow So if you'd like to save my life, <laughs> give us a call here at Beer with Buffy at 269-743-07. Ah, stop beating me! <laughs> Remember, all money you send to our Patreon goes to feeding him more than pizza. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's not funny. There's really no, starving people yeah, out there. And, sorry. Uh, I'm not I'm not <laughs> actually being forced into podcast slavery, guys. <laughs> the government takes care of monetary <laughs> slavery and yeah. indentured servitude all by itself. Anyway. Anyway, Willow beelines to Riley, describes what she's wearing and why she's wearing it that she wants to dance, and Riley's like, I don't know how to dance. What the hell am I going to do? And it's like, have a fucking conversation, you tool. <laughs> but my favorite line from her is, and remember, if you hurt her, I'll beat you to death with a shovel. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You're not wrong, Willow. Yeah. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Thank you for being neither passive aggressive nor passive. And just saying what you mean. Yeah. We need more of that in this world. So Riley approaches Buffy, and uh, I, there, I believe there is a scientific term for his behavior. This might as well be an episode of Looney Tunes, because his official phylum is Dorcas Malorcus. <laughs> you like cheese? <laughs> Buffy. He specifically chokes in the worst way possible because he walks up to her at a party and brings up 
classwork. <laughs> right? Ugh. Well, yeah. it's their only connection at this point, for the most well, part. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't blame him for resorting to that. Anyway, cut back to Xander and Giles on patrol. They split up. Xander runs into Harmony. Yeah, and he finds Harmony setting stuff on fire. So I think it's hilarious that Xander's like, oh, I'm still the best at hand-to-hand combat <laughs> earlier, and we get to see it in action. But before that... firsthand. Before that, he warns her... And in his warning to her about how he can stake her at any moment, without warning, he says. <laughs> as even, he warns her. Even though he just warned her. <laughs> and that motherfucker slaps, <sighs> hair pulls, and shin kicks his way to glory. <laughs> they, they go slow-mo. Slow-mo shin kicks. <laughs> and just... It's the most epic shitty fight to ever behold in mine own eyes. And he loses. (laughs) (laughs) It's a draw. It's kind of a draw. No, he loses. He begs for mercy. They have to agree to split up at the same time. Uh, Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, he tussled with a vampire and he lived to talk about it. I think he wins. My problem is, is we've seen him fight before. He knows how to fight. Yeah, he's not that bad. And also, Harmony, you're a fucking vampire. You're stronger than that. And But obviously, she did not inherit the kung fu magic Clearly. that all the other vampires have inherited. I don't like they, they all come up spin kicking. <laughs> yeah. It's like putting a baby in the water. I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> I hope you don't babysit children anymore. No, I only did that the one time. Okay, good. I saw them yesterday. They're fine. There were no bodies of water? No. Okay. I mean, I was playing Ocarina of Time. I don't think there's there's a fishing game. <laughs> there's... Okay, as long as the children are still alive. Moving on. Yeah. So Xander fucks off at the mere mention of Spike. Yep. And then Harmony sets Spike's shit on fire. And she's upset because all men run away. Cut back to the party. Where Buffy is dancing and Willow and Riley are sitting on the couch. Dancing rather well, if I do say so myself. Riley's like, holy hell, I choked. Yep. Willow's uh, like, yeah, you sure did. She's not disagreeing very well here. No. She doesn't give a shit about love. (laughs) Yeah. Or people's feelings. After uh, fucking Walsh's response. Yeah, who can blame her? Seriously. But things are going pretty much okay up until a Dingo's song starts playing. Yeah. Was that Dingo's? Yeah. I assumed so. Riley gives the cut that shit off motion to the guy running the stereo. Yeah. Good on him. Which was super cool. And uh, so she bails all of a sudden, leaving Riley to tell Buffy that she's leaving and not to worry about her. Which also handily gives Riley an in to talk to Buffy yeah. again. And it looks like it was exactly what was needed and was going to work. Yeah. Oh, talk to Buffy about the one thing that she really cares about. Willow. Yeah. And also, Willow's just being an exceptionally good wingman here. Right? Um, yeah. Really, really good wingman. And also, I'm starting to wonder why Riley gets such a bad rap. I don't hate him anymore. You know, I'm struggling with that. (laughs) So I'm wondering if if some more shit goes down later that 
is going to change my opinion. But at this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, I kind of approve. You're good enough for Buffy at this point, basically. He fucking punched out Parker, and he, that gave me a happy. It did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that gave me a happy meal. Om nom. And if you gave Parker a happy meal, you'd have to blend it, and he'd eat it through a straw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's going to need facial reconstructive surgery. That's, so That's funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's only funny because he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you (laughs) break that down a little bit, I mean, so he had consensual sex and then was clear afterwards about his intentions to not continue having consensual sex with her. While it was a massively dick move, I'm not sure it was worth a felony level assault. It did feel good, though. Yeah. Also, she already had multiple felony level assaults against him. Yeah. Like, she knocked him out twice personally. Granted, she was a caveman at the time. Right. <laughs> did he really about that that did he really deserve that. the felony level assault just for making a very poor taste toilet seat joke? Eh, no, but it gave me a happy. It, yeah. <laughs> it's still satisfying. I'm dating. I, I'm having serious dating with a werewolf. And I'm studying witchcraft and and killing vampires. It's like a drug. So Riley trying to talk to Buffy is interrupted by Xander, who shows up and says, hey, we got business to discuss. Yeah, he needs to take Buffy away for all the hot, sweaty, noisy, crazy, naked sex. And uh, (laughs) that's okay, because Riley and the gang are getting called downstairs anyway. Yep. And... Uh, but no, that was, uh, what's his name? Forrest? Yes. Forrest is the one that makes the naked sex yes. comment. <laughs> As if he must have a lot of sex where he just uses the uh, the pocket in his underwear to right. get his... I was totally thinking the same kind of thing because like, <laughs> why wouldn't you have wild, crazy, naked sex are you having, rather than clothes? Are you having sex? non-naked sex, Forrest? Anyway, but he's <laughs> he's saying this of Xander... And I'm like, hey, the devil you know, right? (laughs) Better Xander than somebody else at this point. Kind of, yeah. Anyway, so Riley and his bros casually have their retinas scanned and enter a secret elevator into an expensive sci-fi government underground bunker where lots of demons are selflessly donating blood to a local blood drive sponsored by a reputable tinfoil (laughs) producer. Sure. (laughs) We'll go with that cover story. That's what it looked like. It, that is what it looked like. I doubt it was consensual, though. They really blew out their tin foil budget on this set. Yeah, they did. Consensual what now? I doubt the, the donating was consensual. Oh, yeah. It was more of a bloodletting. You got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I did appreciate this bit, just that the military-esque talk didn't really overly feel like star trek jargon yeah it didn't feel ridiculously forced and unnatural yeah yeah like it it actually seemed logical it made sense it sounded like they knew what they were talking about sounded like they were actually speaking english yeah exactly yeah but they soldier the hell up and walsh is down there as well she's in on it she's like the head honcho or some shit she runs the show 
and she puts Riley in charge of tracking down Escape Hostel 17, or Spike as we like to call him. So I like to call this Operation Spikety Spike. Yes. And they deploy. Yeah, and apparently because they we have, you know, actual actors rather than extras playing these parts, they don't have to wear masks. <laughs> yeah, suddenly now that none of them are wearing masks. And then we cut to Giles. Buffy is planning to spike spike. She got a spikety spike to spike spike. Yep. And the spikety. She's just not happy about him being back and she's like, I'm going to kill him finally. <laughs> Xander's like, Buffy. It's dangerous to go alone. <laughs> Take this. Take this. <laughs> a flare gun? Oh my, how bourgeois. He's like, no, if you get into trouble, okay, right, because it's a flare gun. And also, you can shoot flare guns at people. It is jarring if it happens. Yeah, I imagine it's not pleasant to be shot with a flare gun. Fun fact, that is a way that you can scare away bears. I believe it. Anyway, we uh, leave the scene with Xander and Giles talking about how Spike will find Buffy at all costs. Cut to the records room where Spike has broken in and is using a computer. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that scene. And he finds where Buffy lives. I do like that they show him typing with one finger. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, he's a very progressive vampire, but he's still a hundred something years old. 126, yes. we find out in this very episode. And it's like, no 126 year old can just use a computer. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he got as far as he did is kind of impressive. It is. And I imagine it took him a long time. I also imagine that vampires learn differently than humans like right the learning curve isn't going to be quite so difficult if we're going by Anne rice vampire standards even a little bit here i don't know enough about Anne rice vampires well normal mortal learning curves pretty much go out the window in Anne rice novels right because they're all like super beings basically so we cut back to the park yes where riley's team spots buffy on a bench <laughs> and Forrest is like, well, that's not crazy naked sex. But he does want to use her as bait. They're like, but if we just leave her there. Which, you know, it's not really that bad of an idea. I mean, it's not. But it's they not, don't know that she's a superhero right. either. So, Which is, that's what she's doing. She's sitting in the park being bait on purpose. Yeah, she's being her own bait. Yes. But Riley approaches her. He takes his gear off. Riley ap approaches her. And she whips out her stake and then hides it behind her back just as fast as she whipped it out. And no chance that this highly trained military man is not going to react to that in any way. I think there's something to be said for being blinded by what you expect to see. I mean, he expects her to be this weak, vulnerable woman. So he he's going... Things he sees, he's going to play it into that idea in his head. Maybe he just assumed it was Mace. Yeah. But he's also overplaying the man card and the, oh, yeah. I need to take care of you thing here just because he's desperately trying to get her out of this situation. She's like, no, you can leave. Bye. Go on. And like, shoes him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty well summed up with because he says, I'm going to take you home now. And she says, oh, did you ever think maybe I'm going to take you home? Huh? What? You think boys can take care of themselves and girls need help? Yeah. 
That is so Teutonic, which is funny because Xander, just in the last scene, used the same word. And I tried looking up the word Teutonic. And there As was, did I. Yeah, there was nothing immediately saying that Teutonic means, like, sexist or anything. In the research I did, I suspect, couldn't find anything definitive, it is essentially a slang term derived from the fact that Teutonic was a specific Germanic Norse sort of people. Very masculine, you know, blonde Mm. hair, blue eyes, muscular sort of people. Sure. Kind of along the lines of, like, calling someone a Neanderthal. Okay. But I don't know, and... It's kind of hard to look up 90s slang when you're in 2019. I mean, I don't think it's 90s slang. I think it's just a word that isn't heavily in use. Speaking of Neanderthals... Um, <sighs> Sorry, I, I want to make sure that gets on, on the recording. Ugh. Neanderthal <laughs> is a perfectly legitimate pronunciation. Just because it was Germanic in origins... And is generally honored by being pronounced Neanderthal does not mean that the Americanized pronunciation is not legitimate. Pronouncing it with our Americanized TH, Thal. That's like saying that we have to pronounce aluminum as aluminium just because that's how the British say it. I have one thing to say to that. Well, isn't that cute? But it's wrong! Okay. <laughs> I don't really give a shit. I'm just fucking with you. Alrighty. So they uh, they both hear a scream and they're like, okay, thanks, bye. And they both yeah. run off in separate directions. But first they're like, I'm not leaving till you leave. And I'm not leaving till you leave. Scream, both leave. Never mind. Okay, bye. <laughs> yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. And, uh, we always defeat them and save the day. So Riley runs back to his dudes and they're like echolocating or some shit. Right. Using their fancy fucking military overpriced equipment. And they rattle off this like heading coordinates and blah, blah, alpha, tango, wango, whiskey, foxtrot, fuck off. I mean, maybe these should try running towards the noise. Right. <laughs> instead of wasting time with all this radio shit. Anyway, so then I mean, we cut to... To be, f- to be fair, they make it to the scene before Buffy does. Yeah, right. Cut to the dorm. Willow is in her pit of despair. Spike comes in because he knocks politely and she just invites him in. <laughs> knock, knock. Come in. And that's how campus rape happens. Yeah. Yeah. This whole scene is problematic. It is problematic because it's hilarious, but it's also not okay. Yeah. Obviously, Spike is the bad guy, and he's supposed to be the bad guy. But the moment that he attacks, and she's like, I'm going to scream, and he just reaches over and cranks the radio and then throws her onto the bed is a bit too fucking real to yeah me. and then they show us how in the hallway not a single damn person is even slightly aware of anything going on whether it's because they're desensitized to loud noises or what this could be an exceptionally 
outrageously triggering scene. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's both an allegory for rape, but then they turn it into this funny allegory for erectile dysfunction as if she were in some way uh, complicit or consensual about this happening. Yeah. And I think while it's funny... It was the wrong place to take something that you just implied was rape. Yeah. That being said, holy shit, this scene is funny. So after a dramatic commercial break, we cut to them sitting on the bed. And he's like, this never happened to me, baby. I swear. I I wrote that down in my notes and put a dash of Josh will say this. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's like, it's me, isn't it? <laughs> No, what are you talking about? I'd bite you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd totally bite you. Remember that that fuzzy pink number with the lilac underneath? I wouldn't have guessed you played the bloodlust. Kind of cool. <laughs> oh, I hate being obvious. All fangy and... Rah, takes the mystery out. <laughs> you know, this, this doesn't make you any less terrifying. Oh, don't patronize me. <laughs> Just fucking gold scene. I wanted yeah. to read the whole fucking thing, but... Oh, it's it's too much. It's, it is too there's, much. There's, there's no point. Just, oh my God, go watch it. This is one of those scenes where just go watch it and just bear in mind, in the back of your mind, that uh, you know, don't rape people. Please don't. Yeah, don't. So, it's fucking... It's wrong and it's, it's fucked up on any level that it could be fucked up on. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, don't make jokes about it. Like, at least they're still maintaining the portion of the double entendre where he is the evil villain. Because she's like, well, I'm still terrified by you. Right. So eh, it almost makes it better. Almost. But the only thing that makes it acceptable, even, is it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And they're just both really good fucking actors. Yeah. They played it off really well. And the comedic timing is golden. So we, we cut to outside where Riley, Graham, and Forrest, they have spotted the vampire because he's room temperature. Yep. He's blue. You can see his outline. And if he's room temperature, you wouldn't be able to see him at all in that scope. I mean, but it's varying just slightly enough. If you have an item that is exactly room temperature... You cannot really see the item unless there is something next to it that is a different temperature. Those scopes are not very good, especially in the late 90s. It, it was believable, though. It was believable. Like, for a sci-fi thingy, it was good storytelling. My qualms with the heat scope aside, they are actually wearing realistic night vision goggles. Neato. Because... Real night vision goggles don't have lights on them. Kind of defeats the purpose of being in a fucking dark room. And so major fucking props on overall attention to detail for all their military shit here. Yeah. In this entire episode. Are they heavy? Because that means they're expensive. Put them away. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Obligatory Jurassic Park reference. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) Cut back inside. Spike's like, I'm only 126. And Will is like... You're being too hard on yourself. Uh, why don't we wait a half hour and try again? Oh, wait. And smashes him <laughs> over the head with a lamp. Fuck you. You're the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which normally wouldn't have a lot of stopping power. But since he's having head pain. Right. Which we don't know is a chip in his brain yet. 
but we know it's a chip in his brain. Yeah. It probably had more stopping power than it otherwise would have. And just as she's about to escape, the fucking doors lock. All the doors in the dorm lock automatically. And then all the lights go out. Then they get to the door that has Spike in it, and they use a fucking battering ram to open the door. And Spike throws Willow at them. Not a terrible tactic, really. It really isn't. In his position. And it works, because Riley's like, wait, don't shoot, that's Willow. He doesn't say that's Willow, but... (laughs) Yeah. And clusterfuck ensues... Spike grabs a fire extinguisher and one of the dudes shoots the fire extinguisher and fills the entire hallway with smoke fog stuff from the fire extinguisher. Yeah, so they bag Spike and it seems like they've got him. And then they argue about going back for Willow and it gives Spike just enough time to get the bag off his head and fuck some shit up. Yep. And then Buffy busts in and she shoots the flare, which causes even more mayhem and it's bouncing off all the walls. And Spike, who of course thrives on chaos anyway, well, he manages to escape in the chaos while Buffy's fucking up the soldiers. Which they're all blinded because they were wearing their fucking night vision goggles. Right, yeah, so they're all seeing blurry and shit. You have the fact that they're blinded and that the hallway is filled with fucking smoke and fog, whatever, from the fire extinguisher. Yeah. Buffy's just kicking their ass. Yeah. (laughs) Not to mention that they're already way outmatched. So they assume... Later, as they're briefing Walsh, (laughs) that Buffy is Spike's accomplice. Right? And not that it's a complete misunderstanding. Forrest specifically says, it was a big guy and strong. Yeah. (laughs) But they promise Walsh that they're definitely going to catch Spike. She's like, yeah, I know you are. And that's pretty much that. Spike's got away. But Walsh asks Riley... Hey, Riley, did the chip in Spike's head work? Spike has been implanted with a play nice chip. He's been put (laughs) on kid-friendly mode. Yay! Poor Spike. Yeah. Oh, Spikey Spike. But no. He's been neutered. Not poor Spike, because you know what? This chip is what brings him into the fold, and we get get our Spike for the the rest of the series. Yeah. And we get our nice little domesticated puppy Spike. Yeah. Yay. Just as good as the real wild Spike. I want to mention that. For the most part. Just as good. He's just (laughs) as good. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Cut to the closing scene on campus as Riley runs up to talk to Buffy and he asks about Willow. Willow's doing okay. Just fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) They, They close on the best line as Buffy turns to Riley and says, you're a little peculiar. (laughs) Oh, oh, because he's like, I like cheese. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you know what, Riley? Who the fuck doesn't? Yeah, seriously. Well, lactose intolerant people. But there's not really lactose in Um, cheese, is there? I know a number of people who are lactose intolerant, and every single one of them suffers for cheese. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Some cheese has lactose in it, not all cheese. Yeah. But some cheese. Anyway, Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, 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 give me more. Night. I shall give, walk give, in here. Hold on. You've got something here. Huh? How'd you feel about this episode? I was okay with it. Yeah. Had, had some good moments, definitely. 
Willow was on point the whole episode, I thought. And Spike... Spike is just Spike. I'm hard-pressed to think of a moment when Allison Hannigan is not on point. Right? She's definitely just fucking reliable. Of the, the main core cast, aside from Anthony Stewart Head. I can't remember exactly what scene it was. Oh, no, no, no. It's when they're at the party and she's talking to Riley. She's so She's got that awkward, twitchy face thing going on. And I'm just thinking to myself this whole time, like... Is she naturally like that in real life and using it to her advantage as an actress for this role? Or is she just that good that she's made up these twitchy facial mannerisms for this role? Honestly, either way is impressive. And I don't know. I honestly can't tell. And that's impressive as well. She's fantastic all the time but any episode where we get to delve into or or really kind of focus on her for any real length of time is mm-hmm. just excellent she's she's definitely one of my favorite of the main cast to watch work yeah definitely i i liked that we had some fun xander giles little goofy adventure thing buddy going cop on moments what the buddy cop moments yeah <laughs> I just want to see an episode of Xander Giles Buddy Cop. Just a whole episode. Like the Xander episode we had where like he's having his own adventure and the oh, yeah. the main A plot's happening in the background. God, that was a good episode. It was. I would love to see that, but with Giles and Xander playing Buddy Cop. Yeah. Don't think that's going to happen, but I no, I don't I really don't believe it. We can it always is. dream, right? Hey, there's fans out there. You guys are fans out there. One of you has to write fan fiction. Write us some fan fiction of a Xander and Giles buddy cop movie. Yeah, get all over that, guys. We had some good development with Riley. I actually am starting to kind of like him as a character, or at least yeah. not hate him. And Spike is Spike, like you said. Can't go wrong with Spike. Yep. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen more Anya yet. Of course, she's not main cast yet either. Yeah, we haven't seen her for a few episodes now, but that's okay. Anyway, I give this episode a 70% on the like it scale. Yeah. Sure. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm going to have to say that my quote of the day goes to Willow for her truism. I've seen honest faces before that usually come attached to liars. That was definitely memorable. So what's your quote of the day? My quote of the day definitely goes to Buffy during her exchange with Walsh. You know, for someone who teaches human behavior, you might try showing some. Walsh responds, it's not my job to coddle my students. Buffy responds, you're right. A human being in pain has nothing to do with your job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good fucking line. Like you said earlier, she she's riding the line between whether or not she could get in trouble with it. Right. Because Walsh's argument here is... Well, it's not my job to have empathy and sympathy for people. And Buffy's like, you're right, but you should fucking be ashamed of yourself. Yep. Is the subtext there, and I fucking love it. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. So this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. As always, you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Don't forget to 
throw a tweet with the hashtag BWB shirt. Tag us in it if you want to enter in a chance to win a t-shirt. Find us on iTunes and give us a review. That's the number one way to help our podcast. If you would like to wear something of ours, you can buy our merch at store.beerwithbuffy.com. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Help us out. Support us financially. Buy us a beer. Help us keep the lights on. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. And you can always give us a call or throw us a text at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all our wonderful opening, closing, and transition music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Have a good night. That never happens to me, baby, I swear. done why are we watching this <laughs>